from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Everybody keeps wanting to make the Derek Carr conversation about the Jets. Is it not fair right now in the modern landscape to look at a free agent quarterback that could go where he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and ask the question, what's best for him? Because it might not be New York. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, we're gonna we're we're gonna grow our wolf pack by one here. Teddy Bruski gonna join us, and we'll get Teddy right in on this conversation. Teddy, uh, good to talk to you as always, my friend. I was just saying it. Everybody keeps talking about the Jets and why they should want Carr or why they shouldn't want Carr. My question is the opposite. If you're Derek Carr right now, where do you want to go? Yeah, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Am I a part of the Wolf Pack now? Is yeah, that yeah, it? yeah. You joined our Wolf Pack. Like it's a Hangover reference, very thinly veiled. I think I'm oh, Alan from I the see, Hangover. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, come on. You're the I'll cool one. I'm, yeah, the, I'm the pudgy movie. one that's making everybody uncomfortable. That's what we're doing here, Teddy. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> All right, Terry. Good to be with you, uh, Derek Carr. Um, yeah, how many suitors is he going to have? Really, uh, that's going to be this is capable in terms of the team where he can have success. I think it'd be good for him to do everything he possibly can to get there. The Jets are probably a quarterback away from being a playoff contending football team with Derek Carr. I'm not going to say any type of Super Bowl aspirations or anything like that because if he's in the AFC, I mean, he's going to have to deal with the big three and Mahomes in Kansas City, Burrow in in Cincinnati, Allen in his own division, but the Jets would definitely take a step up with an improvement at that quarterback position, and if Derek Carr is it, that'd be great for them. And Teddy, i got to ask you, you know, Bill O'Brien's not an offensive coordinator back in New England, right? They they have Mac Jones still, but you look at a guy like Derek Carr, with Bill O'Brien going back to be the O.C., where are the Patriots in this mix? Do you think Carr would, you know, fit into their system and what they want to do from an offensive standpoint? Um, Bill O'Brien working with, with Mac Jones now is, is, is something that um, I think is a definite positive for, for Mac Jones. Um, Bill O'Brien is, is someone that already has the title right now of offensive coordinator, and there never was one last year in New England. Who was it? Was it Matt Patricia? Was it Joe Judge? Did Bill Belichick Belichick have another voice in there? So I can totally understand how Matt Jones would have been frustrated. I would have been frustrated too. If I'm on defense, I'm a linebacker and I don't know who the call's coming from and, and sometimes it's like there's just confusion. So I think Matt's gonna have a lot of things cleared up for him. I think that the Patriots, I mean, it's a tough division now, especially if the Jets end up improving their quarterback position. But Mac Jones, we should start to see some good football from Mac Jones again next year if Bill O'Brien can get him back on track. Let me take the other side of this then, Teddy. As we're talking to Teddy Bruschi. When you think about, you just mentioned Mac Jones, who we know looked good under Josh McDaniels. And we talked about Derek Carr, who did not look good under Josh McDaniels. If you're the Raiders yeah. right now, you don't have Derek Carr anymore. Aaron Rodgers is, you know, in a cave of darkness. What the hell are you doing at the quarterback position? Man, that's a good question because... Uh... Derek Carr, you have to think that 
I mean, they must have had such a strong conclusion on Derek Carr that he just wasn't the one. I mean, probably even as Josh McDaniels might have gotten the job thinking, all right, let's just try him out for one year, but my hopes aren't that high that he can handle what I would need him to do. So, I mean, of course, Stidham, of course, finishing the year. But right now, I hope they have a plan because it should be possibly the Rodgers thing. But to go from Derek Carr to now you don't know who, I mean, that isn't really – organizational planning in terms of offensive success. But, you know, there's still a big wild card out there, which is Aaron Rodgers. And I know it's got to be the Raiders and also the New York Jets. And we got to see where he ends up, fellas. But I got to ask you, because Jimmy Garoppolo is still out there and we know Jimmy Garoppolo is familiar with the system. Do you think that might be a backup plan, too, for the Raiders? I think there's a lot of plan twos and plan uh, B, plan B for a lot of teams, for the Jets, Harry, for the Raiders. It's like, okay, if we don't get Aaron Rodgers, okay, what do we do then? All right, is it, you know, is it Garoppolo? I mean, those type of things. Is it, is it Carr? I would say my number one priority has to be Aaron Rodgers. I don't care how long he's in darkness. I mean, I, I really don't care because, I mean, even if, even if I'm the Jets, fellas, it's like, listen, Hey, Derek Carr, this is the reality of it right here. We love you. You're a good player. You can make us better. Here's a contract. But honestly, we're going to wait and see what Aaron's doing because you'd be good with Carr, okay? You can win a championship with Aaron Rodgers, and I think everyone knows that's the big difference in terms of skill at the quarterback position. Derek Carr, I don't know, he's a good, he's a good player. But if you're a New York Jets fan, I mean, I don't. Maybe the Jets are happy with just making the playoffs. That, that's not something that's a, a end goal for any organization where it shouldn't be. All right, with Salah, it should be to win the championship. And what's going to give you the best chance, even if it's just a, you know, a year-to-year thing with an Aaron Rodgers, where you're going to get some drama every offseason. Is it worth that drama if you possibly get to a championship game, to a Super Bowl, or become one of the better teams in the AFC where you're truly a contender, I think it's worth all that darkness and all that headache. Yeah, I'm just telling you all both, as the resident Raiders fan around here, if I end up with, I don't know, Jimmy G and Jarrett Stidham taking on Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert <laughs> next year, I'm still yeah, going to be drunk yeah. when our shows start on Monday after getting through Sunday. So, <laughs> all right, Teddy, let's go to the Giants. Daniel Jones, some reports out there that you know his camp thinks $45 million a year is a reasonable deal to offer the Giants. Uh, above and beyond all of that, when you look at Daniel Jones taking on Jalen Hurts for the next decade, what's Daniel Jones' ceiling as a quarterback to you? Well, how, how well can you build around Daniel Jones? Because I really liked Daniel Jones last year, guys. I mean, the way that, you know, Brian Dable sculpted him and used his skill set, using his legs as much as teaching him how to take care of the football. It was a huge positive. I think it was great. Now, how much money do you want for that, Daniel Jones? You've shown it one time. But here, this is what we are here. We're a, we're a team that just, just went to the playoffs. We're a team that can only get better with you, and we're a team that you can handcuff us if, if you want too much money. We can go this franchise tag route, and we can go through all this drama and things like that, and you can try to show us you can do it for another year, or you can take this team-friendly deal and let's go try to win a championship. I think the ball's in Daniel Jones' court. If you want 40-plus $40 million a year, I think the Giants need to know that sometimes you got to play hardball. Go ahead and franchise the guy. Make him do it again for you because could it have been a fluke? 
Daniel Jones's year. It's, I think it's absolutely possible. I mean, to show any type of consistency multi-seasonally, he hasn't done that yet. So sometimes you got to play hardball with a guy, and if you want too much, take this tag, and let's see if we can sign Saquon. Teddy, I know you watched the XFL this weekend. I was a field analyst last night for the D.C. Defenders versus the (laughs) Seattle Sea Dragons. What are your thoughts on the 4th and 15 conversion that we've seen from the St. Louis Battlehawks? And what is your thoughts on the entire lead as well? Yeah, first of all, I mean, to see former players as head coaches, as as Coach Harry, I mean, it's it's cool, man. It's cool to see these guys making decisions like that. Um, And – the different aspects of the game actually was fascinating, in my opinion, just sort of to see, okay, you don't have to waste these rules, NFL, on preseason when a lot of teams, I mean, they can probably scoff at the idea of having those type of rules to try out in preseason because we're trying to get ready for regular season games. But you see them now in the XFL, a lot of things that's been talked about. The fourth and 15 rather than the onside kick, I think is something that now you see it implemented and coaches, rules committee members, they can say, you know what? I mean, maybe that's a good idea. Let's watch this the rest of the season and let's study this to see how the teams approach it because these are capable coaches. I mean, Phillips, Sines Ward, a lot of these guys know their football. And to use these situations properly, it can be an example for the NFL to say, maybe we can use that for our league. So I, so I, love, I love watching football this time of year. Because, I mean, you itch for it. The Super Bowl's over. I mean, but to just still have it, I think it was a huge positive. Teddy, always appreciate your insight, man. Thanks for joining the Wolfpack for this one. You can always be our Bradley Cooper. Like, you know, just, just looking appreciate good, it, walking fellas. in in the black suit. So we appreciate you hanging out, brother. Oh! <laughs> Let's I love go. it. Oh, sorry, Harry. I didn't mean to take you out of the Bradley Cooper role because that is the the really good looking person. Uh, you you can be Doug though, whichever Doug you want. Um, uh, Black Doug. Uh, that that is. <laughs> See, I had to let Harry say which Doug he was. Like, I understand the rules here, guys. All right. Coming up, Harry's going to declare something that we thought was dead forever is now officially back. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. the top stories in sports guys huge news over here to the bottom this is it rock bottom this is three up three down with Fitz and Harry I mean if this was based on my bank account over the weekend XFL was good to me I'm just saying Woo! thanks to Harry's game last night it's three up and three down brought to you by my computer career training for a better life you know what we do we're gonna give you three things we're hot on three things we're not on three things that we love three things that we hate Harry gets to do all the positives because I'm positive he was spectacular on the sidelines of the XFL last night Harry you get to go first you'll do the ups I'll do the downs what do you what are you big on HD Ooh, for me number one number one Mac sorry jumped the gun a little bit there Matt McClung <laughs> Who said white men can't jump? Woody Harrelson, move over. Mac Daddy is in the building. You talk about wowing the crowd, wowing the viewers, wowing everybody that watched the dunk contest and finishing his dunks the first time he did them. 
Thank you, my man, Mac, for bringing the dunk contest back to where I want it to be. Forget what everybody else thinks, to where I thought it needed to be. They need to invite you back next year because you were exciting, and I love everything about every dunk that you did. Once again, who said white men can't jump? Look, I I agree with you on Mac McClung. How many people were just Googling that name to figure out who the hell Mac was that night, right? Like, you think about what that means, and uh, look, if we're going to get specialized dunkers in the dunk contest, I would take that all day long. Give me playground guys out there giving their best dunks. I think it'd be a better product at the end of it. Now, that's an up. I will turn it up into a down, and this is my one down. Tell me if you've heard this story before, Harry. A Vegas football team had a double-digit lead in the second half, choked and lost. That's right. The XFL Vegas Vipers picked up right where my beloved Raiders left off. With a set. I, I felt so good. First half, I put a little bit of live action down on this. I was like, Vegas looks good. Everything's going to be fine. One of the trends of the XFL this weekend was second-half adjustments from experienced coaches seemed to matter in several of these games. Pass protection seemed to break down. I felt so good about the, the Vipers all the way through until uh, I didn't feel good anymore. So Vegas football gets a down for me. Well, can Let's, I say this though? Yeah. It yeah. wasn't on their defense. It was all on their offense on the offensive side of the ball. Their oh, yeah. defense, I thought, played really, really, really good. And keep an eye out on this too for anybody that doesn't know. The highest paid player in the XFL this year, Brett Hundley, was signed so late by Vegas he wasn't able to play in that game. They expect him to play next week. I'm still feeling good about the Vipers. All right, give Ooh. us an up. And up number two. Number me. two. Oh, my God. Devin, you got to hit those faster. Devin, Come what are on, you doing? Devin. Let's, Devin, let's just move a little faster. Here, you got to okay? leave lollygagging back there. What do you like to get your, your – Number two. That's better. Thank you, Devin. <laughs> I'm going to go with the elite shooting in the NBA, and particularly the All-Star game. You had three players who made eight threes and more. Damian Lillard went eight for 20. He ended with 26 points. You talk about Donovan Mitchell went eight for 17 from the three-point line, ended with 40 points. And Jason Tatum went 10 for 18 from the three-point line and finished with 55 points and won the MVP of the All-Star game. For, for some reason to me, the three-point line has become like layups to people now. And my only thought is, how elite is three-point shooting going to get moving forward? That now that these guys are pulling up from half court, way beyond a three-point line, and it's not even touching the rim, Fitz. So that's an up for me. Yeah, no, I like that. And in fact, it ties in. I didn't know that was going to be your up. But my second down are the get-off-my-lawn NBA idiots saying the All-Star game sucked. Like, look, you're not the audience for it. In fact, I went ahead and I checked. I, I asked some of the people that work on SportsCenter on Snapchat, which is mostly NBA highlights. I asked people what the expectation would be, how that, how last night's episode, which I did not host, is performing. And the answer was the NBA All-Star Game every year is one of the most watched shows, and it will be yet again this year. Guess what? The people that want that product are watching it all over the place. There's a reason that ESPN paid a billion dollars for the NBA rights last time, and it was in part because of the digital platforms that absolutely excel. Kids are watching the NBA All-Star Game, and all of us that are sitting here saying, the game used to be better, we're all the get-off-my-lawn guys. This product isn't for us anymore. So like, either watch it and appreciate it, or just realize that maybe it's not being marketed to you in the first place. Look at me coming in off the top rope against NBA get-off-my-lawn people. Take us back to the positive, Harry. Number three. Oh, look at that. Atta Devin baby, was paying Devin. attention finally. There we, there we go. go. Devin baby, doing his Devin. job. I'm like, hot route, hot route. Go ahead, Devin. Number three. <laughs> Too many times, Devin. We only need it once. All right, thank you. We're going to go with the XFL again. And for me, it was the St. Louis Battlehawks versus the San Antonio Brahmas. And being down St. Louis, that is, 15-3, to 3, with a minute and 29 seconds left to go in that game. 
Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, they won the game 18 to 15 and outscored San Antonio 15 to nothing in the last minute and 25 seconds. That's a up for me, Fitz. Yeah, talk about friend of the show and friend of ESPN, AJ McCarron out there just balling out and doing his thing in in ways only AJ can. Being a superstar in that, you know. What? I think the I think the coolest thing about that was at the end when you know his kids were able to run up to him and he was emotional, uh, emotional, uh, emotional. You know, talking about his kids being there to witness what transpired. So that was pretty cool to me. You know what? Be honest with me for a second. If I threw cleats on you, even in that suit, I'd just like, hey, look, cleats going on. Three catches, 50 yards, touchdown in the second half alone, right? Like, Harry Douglas is going to get three catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown in the second half. In a suit with cleats. I'm going to hit him with the Keyshawn Johnson. Just get me the damn ball. If I got three (laughs) catches, I'm upset at somebody. I'm I'm cussing the quarterback out or the offensive coordinator. Somebody going to hear from me in that league. I promise. Oh, that is amazing. Only the XFL can give you, in the same weekend, a quarterback like A.J. McCarron that has a ton of national championships. Uh, Also, in the same weekend, you got uh, Luis Perez, the Vegas Vipers quarterback, who literally learned to play quarterback by watching YouTube videos. That's how he learned. He didn't play in high school. He, he had to go through and, and learn through a YouTube video. So uh, kind of an incredible story. All right, I'll finish this thing with one more down. Number three. I knew you were going to do that to me, Devin, so I just gave you that space. Uh, look, I love the hockey, and I say it that way just so hockey guys will come at me. Uh, I, I am somebody that covered the Predators during the Stanley Cup final run. I am a big fan of hockey. I also think that the NHL needs to look around at some point and understand its place to get more attention. To schedule an outdoor game, which is one of the coolest things that the NHL does on the same weekend as the NBA All-Star game, made no sense to me. We can talk all day long about whether the NBA is in a good spot or a bad spot. We can talk all day long about what the NBA can do differently. But at some point, you need to understand the principle of counter-programming. And I don't think that this is just the NHL. I think sports in general need to look around the calendar and they need to understand that there's only so many hours in the day to consume anything. The NHL took something that casual fans will absolutely flock to and they buried it on a weekend where casual fans had to make too many decisions about what to watch. You've got to have some self-awareness. As much as I loved it and as much as I had it on a side screen, I know most of my friends did not and that is a waste for the league. So I think the NHL absolutely deserves a thumbs down for not putting that in a better spot. Let's do that hockey. I knew that was coming. I really really like that. Um, Also, Evan, go Bruins. Oh, wow. Go Bruins? That's what we're doing here? We're going go Bruins? Is now the time where I talk about the Rangers getting Tyler Mott back? Uh, you know, the funny thing to me that, that <laughs> like I truly laugh about is when I first started working here, the number of my friends in Nashville that were like, oh, ESPN doesn't like hockey. And then I work here and everybody behind the scenes, not everybody, 90% of the people that work behind the scenes in radio are hockey fans. So it is funny to me like how much you know, from the day I got here, people wearing hockey, uh, they're, they're wearing the sweaters all over the place. Like it is a big deal here. Well, that's a funny story because like uh, a couple of years ago, I somebody asked me here like, what did I want to do? Like if I were to move over to the TV side and I said, I really want to be part of the hockey coverage and be behind the scenes on hockey when we get it back. I didn't think there'd be a lot of people, and I was literally told, good luck, there's a ton of people ahead of you. I try, I tried to get into that rotation, wow. too. I was like, hey, here's my experience covering hockey. I would love to do this. And it was like, cool, there are like 300 people here who worked in hockey last time with the ESPN that still want to work there. Also, my good buddy Arta Okow, who you can check out on The Drop, does great work with that show, uh, does great work covering the NHL, uh, will tell you a million times, as much as we love each other, he's like, man, you shouldn't be pronouncing some of these names. He's not wrong. 
All right. Uh, Harry told you uh, that that some of the ups from the XFL, but what if I told you there's one thing I saw this weekend that could make Patrick Mahomes even more dangerous for the love of all things holy. It's true, it's real, and it's going to happen. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Yes. Okay, I just can't. Like, I'm trying, I can't, you know? Oh. Oh, Oh, no, this is the kind of music when you need your doobie. No, 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 this is hibbity-dibbity music. This is like setting the tone. This is setting the, it's early in the hibbity-dibbity music time. Like, it's setting the, this is like setting your Monday off right. Right, We're when saying, you need your doobie, bro. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> you don't need your, you, you, we don't have to wait the, till Friday. The hippie era. <laughs> uh, I don't need to, I don't need to wait till Friday. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. I got, I really have no transition to get us to sports, but so we're just going to get there. Fitz and Harry, uh, the XFL was a massive success. Kind of like your Friday night, if you listen to our uh, soundtrack. The XFL was a massive success over the course of the weekend. But one of the most shocking things to me, Harry, is that not only on Saturday night was it the number two trending topic on Twitter in the world, all right, XFL 2023, but that Dean Blandino did the impossible. Dean Blandino is now a unicorn. Like, you don't think this exists. Dean Blandino, the head of officiating and rules innovation for the XFL, is now actually cool. Like, we went through all four games, and every time there was a question, not only was he available to the broadcast, of which you were part of one, he was also mic'd up through the decision-making process. I thought it was the most interesting thing I have ever seen in a football display, to see him go through all the different images, all the different replay things. Like, whatever the XFL did last iteration with miking up, they took it to another level with this one. They made calls clearly, concisely, and quickly, and they also did it transparently. Like, it was life-changing for football fans yeah I think that's the word though transparency and Dean Blandino was able to give that to viewers watching every XFL game and it also gave them a sense of when you're watching a football game whether it's a college football uh whether it's National Football League or anything else right there's a lot behind officials reviewing plays and trying to figure out what's exactly going on and being able to see on the on, on the TV screen, on your iPad or your computer, if you're streaming in the games or whatnot, Dean Blandino going through the process, going through things, is it catch? Is, is it a catch? Does he have his foot down? Does he have control? Where's the ball need to be spotted? Seeing all of those things, I thought was great for viewers to understand what exactly goes on when these officials are trying to make these calls when they're reviewing things. So I think moving forward is something – that the National Football League could actually adopt and also let people know it's just not clear cut as, as we all think it is sometimes when making a decision on a, on a call. So I was sitting on the couch. I'm watching the XFL. We were, we were preparing for XFL Today, the new studio show that you can only get on ESPN Digital in the app on Facebook, YouTube, ESPN Plus, all those places. Uh, we were we made our debut on Sunday, so I'm sitting there with Scooby McGazza, my head co- my head coach, my uh, assistant, uh, my assistant <laughs> coach, my God, my co-host. Hard for me to say, and Chris Colon, the producer, right? So we're all sitting 
sitting there and we watched the controversial was it interception was it a touchdown uh, play that was happening in the first half of the Orlando game and what was hysterical is that I listened to every word of Dean Blandino's uh, explanation is he tried to figure out and I actually looked at Cologne, the producer and I said I don't agree with what he decided but I get it so the next day Dean Blandino came on XFL today and he said in his conversation I know a lot of people didn't agree with my call but they understood it and I was like my god what did you yeah my yeah my couch mic'd up obviously in fact when I asked Dean flat out what the one rule he wishes the NFL adopt would adopt was this is what he said on XFL today like the transparency, there's too much like we just talked about. There's too much fans come away from NFL games. And look, I was a part of it. I understand some of the legit, some of the things that go into not being able to completely pull the curtain back. But I think when you have fans that are that are that have a, a kind of an unsatisfied feeling after a game because they're not sure why, why was that call made? Why did that decision? Why did that call stand or why was it overturned? I think the league can look at that and do more of that in terms of coming out and saying, here's why. And to me, Harry, that's what stands out because that's implementable right now. Like the NFL could easily by this season put a Dean Blandino type person at every single game that has immediate access to every single replay, which is part of why it works so efficiently and quickly. Those people could be trained uh, throughout the whole summer on how to do that quickly and efficiently. And by this season, the NFL could do that. If the NFL doesn't do it, it's because they choose not to. And if they choose not to, then what they're really telling all of us is they don't care what we say about officiating or replays. They just want to do what they want to do, how they want to do it. This was a humanizing moment for officials that not only made officials more relatable, but also made the game more understandable. If the NFL doesn't do that for all of us, it's yet another indicator that they don't really care about what we think of the final product. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You talk about that play that w- whether it was determined an interception, and he came out and said, like, if that play would have been ruled an interception on the football field, it would have stood as an interception as well. It's just that, and they went through it, and you couldn't see the ball exactly where the ball was at, and that's why they kept the call on the field initially being a touchdown. It was another call in one of the other games, I believe it was the Arlington game, where a guy ran a corner route. And I thought initially from from the naked eye that he didn't get his foot down and he was out of bounds. But Dean sat up there and he explained everything. He's like, okay, he has his foot down. And in the XFL, you only need one foot down, a one body part. It's not like the NFL. And he, he, he determined that he had control over the football as well. And then it was a catch and it was a first down. I just thought that transparency of people being able to see it and what he was thinking and what he was going through. Um, in that moment was excellent for the XFL. Also, I asked him about why they decided one foot down, given how many of their rules coincide with the NFL or are feeding to the NFL. He said he thought not only did they thought as a league it helped offense, it also helped clarity in decision-making. It would make replays faster to not be trying to figure out if the other foot was dragging while possession was being gained. I thought that was a little bit of an interesting moment. Also interesting that they can turn around and review any play at any time and that any play can be challenged, including a penalty. So we saw it one in the first game, Vegas challenged what they thought was an offsides on a pump block. And I thought it was an offsides too. But then I listened to Blandino explaining the fact that the defensive lineman was moving with the snap of the ball and that was all done at once. And I came away from that smarter. Like, I, I just thought that was wild. Well, it was one in the D.C. game where De'Aaron King had a long run. Right. And they called a holding. And I didn't think it was holding at all. And you even heard the offensive lineman mic'd up using words with the official that I don't think he should have been using. But 
I thought if DC would have challenged that, they probably would have won it because I didn't think it looked like holding at all when the replay came up. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting nugget, too, that coaches are still getting used to some of the things they can challenge, right? Like, yep. I think that's wild. And through all of it, the one thing that I think we can look at that has been suggested before by the NFL that they've talked about is replacing the onside kick with a 4th and 15 play from your own 25-yard line. If you convert it, the clock continues, the drive is going. If you don't convert it, the other team gets it wherever that play ended. And we we saw that several times. Once it worked, and that was obviously in the St. Louis game, A.J. McCarron with the big completion that leads to the game-winning touchdown. But, man, all I kept thinking was inject that in my veins with Patrick Mahomes. Give me Patrick Mahomes on a 4th and 15, wrecking my Sunday as a Raiders fan, but it's good for the game. That, and also I like teams being able to go for three-point conversions because that also led to the St. Louis Battle Hawks coming back in that game because after they scored the first touchdown, they were able to convert the three-point conversion and then they converted the fourth and 15 in which they went down um, and, and pro made the catch. And it was awesome. His dad's a wide receiver coach and he caught the game winning touchdown. That, that was amazing, that yeah. whole sequence. You just mentioned it, and for anyone that didn't see it, extra points are wildly different. They 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 look different in the XFL. And uh, we'll, we'll explain more of it, why it could impact NFL games as soon as this season. Plus, I'm going to tell you why the NBA does not have an issue that you think they have. We'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. 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 Three is a magic move. The load management is not reducing the injuries on star players. We're seeing star players get hurt at a faster rate than almost we've ever seen before. So it's a bit hollow. And the second thing is, um, if you continue to send the message to your fans that the regular season games don't matter, which is where you know a huge percentage of the money is made, they're going to believe you. And it is showing up in myriad ways that that's the case. And um, so, uh, you know, the NBA has made the priority. It's not changing course, regardless of what people say. And, you know, we are in February, so we're in load management season. So we're going to be talking about it in February. I was later. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. That was Brian Windhorse on earlier with us today about load management, an issue that has everybody fired up. And I think part of the problem is this is one puzzle being viewed very differently by two different groups of people. So remember a few years ago, Harry, like I know you don't, uh, you're not like a big, you know, meme guy or social media guy in that sense. But like, remember a few years ago when it was like, what color is this dress? And it was like a, a dress picture that came up and half the people thought it was like blue and half the people thought it was purple or something like looking at the same picture, but it looks different. And I think that's what's happening right now in the NBA because you got a lot of people that are my age that are looking at it and saying, man, well, the guys used to do this and the guys used to do that and no, nobody cares about this and that anymore. And this concept that the regular season all of a sudden is devalued because the league is sending that message. Well, that's 
I just that's old get off my lawn guy thinking when it comes to the NBA because what I'm seeing are kids everywhere wearing jerseys of their favorite players, right? What I'm seeing are kids everywhere that understand load management. Like I don't I don't remember the last time I heard an 18 year old kid that's that's wearing 15 different jerseys that all go with their 15 different pairs of like crazy Jordans sitting there saying, "Oh, but John didn't play this game," or, or pick your player, you know? And like to me, at some point, we have to understand that the next generation of NBA fans is aware of this business practice and they have no problem with it so if your league and you're growing as the nba constantly is to the next generation i think the league's looking at it and saying we'll be just fine like you can't have it both ways you can't tell me that everything's broken but then also in the same interview tell me that they've almost finalized their new collective bargaining agreement which means they're comfortable with the amount of money they're making and i'll be honest with you do i like it no i don't but i understand why it's done Right. I'm not going to sit up here and say I'm blind to the fact that, you know, this is reason A, B, C, or D may may be why it's getting done and why they're doing it. Here's the thing, though, I, that, that I just thought about, though, Fitz, because, you know, LeBron mentioning about, you know, these last games that that in the regular season are going to be very, very important. Right. I'm looking at seeds number three right now starts with the Sacramento Kings. We know the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder at 10 right now but all the way down to 13 where the Los Angeles Lakers are. I don't think a lot of these teams can afford to have these guys taking load management days if they're trying to make the playoffs. I don't see it happening. If your team in one game could determine whether you're in that play-in or you're not in that play-in. So when I'm looking at the Western Conference, I don't think seeds 3 through 13, and I'm saying 13 even though I know it's 10, I don't think those guys can afford to have a ton of load management days if you're fighting for a playoff spot. And the reason why I say seeds 3 through 13 is because that's how close they are when it comes to record wins and losses. Now, I love that point from you and something that you know better than anybody and your brother, Tony, that played in the NBA knows better than anybody is that sort of accountability is going to come left and right, right? I say this yep. all the time, but like if, if you and I are doing a show together and all of a sudden I start just missing a bunch of days, it's going to be you that calls me and says, man, I, I need you to do your job. I need you to show up. I need you to care, right? Like, so you're, you're a thousand percent right. We started this show talking before in our pre-show meeting about LeBron's comments, trying to figure out who he's talking to, what message he's sending to his teammates because nothing's accidental with LeBron. You're a thousand percent right. He's sending the message that I need your all for the next 28 games because they matter that much. That makes a ton of sense. And and look, if players want to play, I think they they should get credited for it. If players want to, you know, to to put themselves out there every single night, as most of these NBA players do, I think they deserve a ton of credit for that. There's a fine line in this process of load management and everything that we talk about. But but you're a thousand percent right that right now, if you're in the thick of it, man, you need the Harry Douglases of the room walking in and being like, uh-uh, that's not the way we're going to do and, things. And here's the funny thing, Fitz, because the Sacramento Kings with the three seed, they have 32 wins right now. The Los Angeles Lakers at the 13th seed right now have 27 wins. Oh That's how close it is in the Western Conference. And, and you think about if you're LeBron – all you are thinking is, if you, what do you say all the time? If you get in the dance, you got a chance, right? That's like, right. Uh, if you are LeBron, you're sitting there saying, I, look, I believe that with this new lineup, if we can get healthy, we can contend. 
with anybody, right? So, you know, the the battles that every single team faces are so individualistic when it comes to the way they're built, right? Like in the sense that the Lakers have a bunch of mostly like they're going to rely on two older guys that have health, health issues. They got to approach it one way. That's the Lakers approach. The other approach would be the, you know, the, the flip side of it is Sacramento, a young team that's just sort of like, they're here and they're crushing everybody. You know, it's a much different approach if you're Sacramento down this stretch trying to figure out what you need to do versus if you're LeBron. And, and they, they got a lot more young guys on their team as well. Mike Brown has done a phenomenal job with that team, uh, a team that I think is going to be able to compete. But when it comes to advancing and having a fighting chance, I just think they are a year and some change, maybe a year or two away. Uh, they're going to get everyone together this season. They've done a phenomenal job. But I think next year, got te- NBA teams better start worried about the Sacramento Kings. Not saying that you can't worry about them now. I'm just saying that they're going to have, you know, uh, uh, some more time under their belts, a lot of a team full of young guys, and they can really make some noise in, in, in the following years. I totally agree with you. What is interesting to me is that two of the most interesting younger teams in the NBA right now are Sacramento and Cleveland. And the nightmare scenario for the NBA is getting Sacramento versus Cleveland in the finals versus getting KD versus Giannis. And it, it, it has nothing to do with the markets and everything to do with the way that they market the sport. They want Bring me stars. back to the Mike Bibby days. Vladi Divac <laughs> days, baby. Oh, man. Chris Webber. Vladi, like, just sat like, the, the Bibby sitting there saying, what? Like, they don't even know why they're <laughs> Speaking of Bibby, he's going to join Candy and Carlin. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.